From The Conversation, this is Politics with Michelle Grattan, a podcast where we hear from politicians and experts on the issues of the day. Labor went into the election promising to reduce people's energy bills by 2025. That's already a long-lost hope. And the question now is how high these prices will go. Containing the escalating cost of energy is the Albanese government's current top policy priority, with an announcement promised before Christmas. National Cabinet was due to meet on Wednesday to discuss the issue, which has produced some friction with certain state governments. But the Prime Minister's bout of COVID has delayed the meeting until Friday. Today we talk with Bruce Mountain, who's director of the Victoria Energy Policy Centre at the Victoria University about this vexed issue that's so important to businesses and households. Bruce Mountain, what, as far as we know, are the measures that are being considered by the government at the moment on gas and on coal? Can you just outline these simply for us? I think right now uh, the main policies that the government seems to be focusing on is a cap on the wholesale price of gas and possibly also a cap on the price of coal. And how do these work? Uh, Essentially, they involve the government legislating or regulating to establish a maximum sales price for coal. I take it used just here in Australia and gas. I presume they're not going to be seeking to cap the export prices. But with coal, they are trying to get the states to actually implement this, aren't they? Uh, Yes, they'll need the states to implement uh, both a coal cap and, in the case of Queensland, a gas cap, because, of course, Queensland's gas comes from onshore. So it will need the states who obtain sizable royalty income from gas and coal in the case of Queensland and coal in the case of other states. It will need them to take part. Now, the states have been kicking up about this. What are the issues here? Is it about which government is responsible for what? Or is it about money? Or is it about politics? Or is it about all of those? I think it's mainly about money. Uh, Queensland, in particular, increased the, uh, the rates at which it levies coal. And it's obtaining sizably more um, royalty income which has changed partly because coal prices have gone to stratospherically high levels and partly because they've increased the rate at which they tax them. Uh, I think a cap on the price of coal, Queensland is concerned that that's going to jeopardise income streams for them. And New South Wales has made similar noises. So I think it's principally about money. And the latest I've heard is the Commonwealth is showing some willingness to effectively get the federal purse to insulate those two states to some degree from royalty income losses that would come about as a consequence of a cap on the price of coal. The New South Wales Treasurer, Matt Keane, was saying the other day that uh, the Commonwealth, in fact, should be the one to act on coal, but that would involve a lot of compensation potentially, wouldn't it, that the Commonwealth would have to pay? Uh, yes. The states can levy royalties on coal and they have a regime. I think their concern is to protect the royalty income stream that they get from that coal. 
to be perfectly honest, I don't know the extent to which these caps can be applied through legislation or whether simply ministers can actually agree. I think the attempt to get the federal government to take charge of it is really about, in the case of the states, having the federation cap them so that the states can be kept whole rather than the pressure being pushed back to the states to take action themselves. Now, are there certain time constraints in which this must be done? I don't think there's any legislative or regulatory time constraint. I think it's more the popular will and the impression that governments have given to the electorate that something will be done about electricity and gas prices. It's been a weeping sore, this rising electricity and gas prices for quite some time, and the government's been making noises for quite some time about doing something about it. So I think the pressure comes mainly from governments being keen to act on the will of the people. The gas industry has been threatening to have an investment strike if action is taken, and the Minerals Council has been threatening an anti-government media campaign like uh, was waged way back in the Ruddy era against the mineral resources rent tax. Should these threats be taken seriously? Uh, I think they might need to be taken seriously if there's a swinge in control on the prices that they can sell at. But their profits are increasing in leaps and bounds as global oil and uh, coal and gas prices have gone crazy. Uh, I should think it's a matter of course they say there'll be an investment strike. But frankly, I think they'd be very happy to extract as much coal and gas as they possibly can, even if they were taxed at much higher levels than they are now. Once interventions start, uh, they often have unintended consequences, of course. What do you think the government, the federal government, should do to both address the price problem but also have minimum unintended consequences? Yeah, this is an extremely difficult area. One of the great difficulties in capping uh, wholesale coal or gas prices is there's no guarantee that that will impact the price of electricity. Uh, There's a long chain to be followed between a wholesale cap on coal or gas and the price that the customer pays. And in the case of Queensland, only two of its generators are actually trade exposed to coal prices because most of their coal is sourced from the mine mouth. And so it isn't impacted by international coal prices. It's contracted at the mine. In the case of of other generators, they can be impacted by international prices, but that's contingent on their contracts. And it's not at all obvious, even when there's rail infrastructure, that the opportunity cost of coal is indeed the traded price of coal. So wholesale caps can be spoken about easily, but understanding their impact on the price the customers pay is extremely difficult. And there can be no guarantee that a wholesale cap is going to translate into what the governments are really seeking, which is lower prices to the customer. There are numerous alternatives, um, increasing the rate of export taxes and a um, windfall tax certainly would increase the relativity of the price of gas and coal sold here in Australia to the price that the exporters receive. That would be positive. But again, it's extremely difficult to do, and the coal and gas companies are very powerful. 
and indeed, I think the federation and some states would turn around to New South Wales and Queensland and say, you, you know, those states are obtaining much greater loyalties on the export of coal. Why are they themselves not doing more to insulate their own customers against the rising price of coal and gas? So it's a terribly fraught area. I think the Commonwealth has been um, encouraged by many to get involved, but I really think it probably needs to play hardball, particularly with the coal exporting states. Should part of the government's policy be to put in a, a code of conduct for gas producers or to make the current code mandatory, rather? And what would that involve? I think these types of terms, a code of conduct, can be a, a jargon term for a, a broad agreement on how the game is you know, going to be played. We are seeing implicit action by the Commonwealth in taxing gas. The ATO has uh, trumpeted the fact that it's clamping down on um, transfer pricing of gas that's been exported from the gas companies. So there is a great deal of suasion being exercised and a code of conduct is another form of such suasion. The real difficulty uh, in our energy markets is essentially a, a eastern coast problem where we've got export capacity that exceeds the onshore domestic gas production capability and even adding the Gippsland offshore, we're still tight. Um, I think the gas exporters are obtaining much higher profits and can rightly expect much higher profits in future as a consequence of the war. I think there's a great pressure that can be brought to bear through arguments of the um, social license that they have. And I think a code of conduct tightening that up into an obligation for a minimum or a maximum or actually not a maximum, but a certain minimum sales volume of gas on the East Coast through each of the three major gas exporters would be a very helpful step to at least providing some certainty and, and maybe a, a better way of effectively bringing about lower gas prices. That of itself doesn't solve the coal price problem, and I think we have both a gas and coal price problem. Uh, and I think perhaps the Commonwealth playing harder ball with New South Wales and Queensland uh, might be uh, a part of a way of actually solving that challenge. Um, I'd, I'd say finally, trying to ratchet up export taxes on coal and gas is way overdue. Uh, it's been, again, a great problem for the Commonwealth to have done this, and the states are increasing export taxes um, implicitly. So I think more attention on that will, will help to stiffen the resolve of the gas and coal producers to make sure that there's adequate supply here in Australia, uh, and it's done at a more reasonable price. Is it time to put in a gas reservation scheme for Eastern Australia? There's been a lot of discussion of this over the years. Uh, it seems to work in WA. It does work in WA because the gas production capability and the gas that they have available far exceeds the Western Australian uh, use of gas. It'll be more problematic in the East Coast, where uh, our own gas resource on the East Coast is inferior to the export capability. So there is a genuine scarcity issue. I think some kind of a reservation may be suitable at this point, but it would need to be quite finely balanced. Uh, there's sizable gains to be had by exporting gas to international markets where it's valued more highly than here. 
and we should not be uh, jeopardising the transition to cleaner sources. At the same time, we've got a crisis at the moment. I think suasion and the big stick of some kind of a reservation may be the most plausible policy at this point. And, of course, the question that uh, everyone wants asked and answered, when the government comes up with a policy, how quickly would that flow through to manufacturing, the cost of energy they manufacturers face, and to the price householders pay? A cap on the wholesale price of gas might be expected to flow through to large gas users quite quickly. How it flows through in the electricity market is an altogether different story. Uh, A cap on coal, again, for coal consumption other than in power generation, the impacts would be likely to actually flow through quickly, but we have minimal gas uh, coal use that's not in the power sector. How it flows through in the power sector is very difficult to know. It may have no effect. It might be that a whole lot of the benefit gets captured by the electricity producers, I think a reservation uh, approach for gas is most likely to flow through into prices the quickest. Export taxes, uh, again, may flow through, but not terribly quickly. So it'll vary by coal and gas, and it'll vary by type of user, uh, big and small, um, and really on the details of the schemes. So in general, by, say, mid-next year, do you think that there would be a significant effect? It is quite possible. There is an enormous public pressure uh, that the government is evidently feeling to ensure that there is some effect. Uh, And I'd imagine if we were in a similar situation this time next year, uh, the government will be under enormous pressure. So by hook or crook, it will be seeking some kind of an outcome. The wholesale caps that it has in mind perhaps have the the weakest likelihood of a certain outcome that it's seeking. I think a reservation probably has the the greatest likelihood. I think some kind of an export tax also uh, will be positive, but again, it's not at all clear it's going to flow through quickly. I wish I could be more certain, but I'm afraid these issues are just so uh, terribly complex and quite what the government's seeking to do is, is just not yet clear. And what what are the implications of all this uh, this whole present crisis for the transition to renewables? My impression is the social license of coal and gas has been very badly damaged here in Australia and globally. Um, we hear again and again from governments a great desire to speed up the transition to ensure that they're not in the same position again. Um, I think there's an awful clamour, obviously, to keep the lights on and to to ensure customers are not exposed to the worst impacts of this. But I think there's a great desire to not be in the same same situation again. So it's a strange situation where in the short term, governments are urging more exploration, more gas and coal production. But in the medium to long term, they want exactly the opposite. I should think that it will have stimulated investment incentives and put more lead in government's spine to speed up the transition in the medium to long term. And just finally, what do you make of the South Australian Labor Premier expressing some interest in nuclear power in in recent days? Well, I must say I found it a bit confusing. At first, it seemed that he was putting the idea on the table. And then on clarification, it seemed that he was simply meaning to say how terribly expensive it was. And if so, then then surely it wouldn't be on the table. 
Um, I can understand nuclear as being a prospect in Europe where they do have long periods of wind and solar outputs and they've got import constraints and they've got a genuine electricity and gas crisis. Uh, we're in the very lucky position of having plentiful wind and sun and coal and gas and land. And we don't have the extended times of, of both low wind and uh, sun. So we can easily look forward to a future without nuclear. There may well be other factors at play, international access to nuclear resources and um, arms agreements and what have you, which might impact policy to some degree. But I think from an electricity perspective, it's, there's just no case for nuclear at all. Uh, and I think um, it's best not to waste time digging over those bones yet again and rather to to get on with the opportunities that are at our feet. Bruce Mountain, thank you very much for talking with us today about uh, this issue that's so difficult for the government, but also, of course, for households and uh, for business. That's all for today's podcast. Thank you to my producer, Mikey Burnett. We'll be back with another interview soon, but goodbye for now. Our theme music is by Lee Rosevier. You can find more podcasts from The Conversation on our website at theconversation.com.